1: All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month and six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
2: When Carol Krukoff started her career as an award-winning journalist, they were still using typewriters. Technology soon caught up, but ergonomics didn't. After years of furious typing, her neck pain got so bad that she was desperate enough to try an obscure practice called yoga. And just 50 years later, she's still at it. Now a yoga therapist at Duke Integrative Medicine in Durham, North Carolina, and co-director of the Integrative Yoga for Seniors professional training program. She has dedicated her life to teaching instructors how to safely adapt the practice to older bodies, minds, and hearts. From writing several books to teaching veterans yoga in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, Carol is a fearless yoga warrior. What else would you expect from this also second-degree black belt in karate? She's got me completely and totally convinced that I need more yoga in my life. And I think you'll feel the same, no matter how flexible you are. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. So those who've just tuned in to this episode of the Retired Student Podcast, are going to listen to you, and I know what the result is going to be. They're going to go out and sign up for yoga if they already aren't a yoga fan. So you may, they may be listening because they already love you and they love yoga, and they already know about you and your prowess within yoga. And if they don't do yoga, I'm hoping that they go dive into this. So what is it going to cost? If you're going to do yoga twice a week, three times a week, what's it going to cost you?
0: Well, it- like many answers to many of the questions you're going to ask me, um, Wes, I'm going to say it depends. It can be free. There's a lot of yoga out there on the internet and people have discovered that particularly during the pandemic and it can be free. The cost of that is that there's some really good yoga on the internet and there's some really terrible yoga on the internet so people could get hurt. So that's, that's not a monetary cost. So it could be free, Um, Realistically, if you're talking about a class, joining a class, say, at a senior center, since we're talking about senior yoga, sometimes those classes are free, but very often it's a nominal cost. So we're talking $5, $10 a class, so a relatively modest fee. Uh, The classes that I was teaching at Duke Integrative Medicine were a $10 drop-in fee. So that's a pretty modest cost. Uh, And that's for a group class something that people are becoming more and more interested. And I've actually had a very big uptake in um, participants in yoga therapy since the pandemic. So yoga therapy is a one-on-one session with a trained yoga therapist. So it's a private class and that can range anywhere. Yeah, it's probably about a hundred dollars an hour.
2: So let's go back to when you started this, because you, you've been doing yoga for 50, 50, almost like what a half a century, right? 50 uh, yeah, years?
0: there you go. <laughs> I turned 68 last week and I've been practicing since my early 20s. So you do the math.
2: Yeah, almost 50 years of yoga. But That's right. let's, go, let's go back to that. Wait, how popular was yoga back then? And then how did you get started with it?
0: Well, back then, when as I my was kids in my early, say,
2: as my kids always say, Carol, back in the day, Dad, when you back were a in the kid. day.
0: Well, I'll tell you how old I am, Wes. I was back in the day in my early twenties. I was a brand new reporter at the Washington Post, and this was the heyday of journalism. Ben Bradley was my editor. Catherine Graham was the publisher. I was a twenty-something wearing a power suit and high heels and trying to get. Um, articles on the front page when i started the post we used typewriters (laughs) and then the first year i was at the post we converted to computers and those early computers had no ergonomic sensibility so i was slamming out you know articles on deadline and i got terrible neck pain Mm. this is how i started yoga so i was very stressed i loved my job it was fantastic but it was quite stressful and I also developed really severe neck pain from typing on these little fixed keyboard computers. Um, at the time, I was extremely active, I still am. I was a runner, I was a dancer. And I thought, well, maybe this yoga thing is gonna help me stretch because I was, my legs were very tight from running. Um, and for the first 20 years of my yoga life, I went to one class a week. And that weekly yoga class was an oasis in my very stressful um, life. It was a fantastic and wonderful. I loved my 10 years as a reporter and editor at the Washington Post. When we moved to North Carolina, my husband's a cardiologist and he got a job at Duke, so we moved and I kept writing a column for the Post. But I just go to that weekly yoga class, that weekly yoga class. And after a time, it kind of sunk in that, you know what, there's a whole lot more to this practice than the physical. Because I would come in with a, you know, being being very wound up. And when I finished the practice, I was calm. And I slept great. And I felt great. And um, yeah, that's sort of how I got into yoga.
2: So Carol, can we, uh, so l- let me think about this for a minute. If I go into, and this is, I guess, the great thing about exercise in general, is I feel the the positive impact for a day or two on the stress relief side. Is it, I've never really, I've, I've only done a few yoga classes in my in my life and I do remember feeling good afterwards and I was really glad I did it and then I never have restarted. It's always one of those things on my list that I'd like to, to go back to because I had a positive experience with it. But what, how long, is it like when you go for a run and that you kind of feel good for the next day? What's the residual of the benefits from a yoga session?
0: Well, yoga is much more than a workout. Mm. So in the West, we think about our bodies as our physical bodies and our muscles and our bones and our joints. In yoga, the, the yoga understanding of the human body is that we are a many layered organism. The physical body is just the outer layer. Then there's the energetic bodies, there's the bodies of thoughts and emotion. So to answer your question yoga touches into all these different aspects of ourselves. So it's much more than just the the physical self. And yeah, when we go for a run, we get the endorphins going, we have that we have that runner's high, and there can be some of that in yoga. Yoga also touches into our our energies, our, you know, if we're if we're really wound up, it can calm us down. If we're a little too down it can rev us up and it helps us get in touch with any emotions that might be there you know sometimes we can in our culture we tend to sort of stuff down uh, our our feelings yoga can help us get in touch with what's really going on yoga at the word yoga means union and it's a union of many things it's a union of your mind and your body through your breath and it's also a union of the individual with that sense of something bigger and something greater. So the yoga high, if you would, if can last <laughs> can last for uh, can last for a lifetime if you mm-hmm. take the practice off the mat into your daily life.
2: How much of yoga? So again, meditation uh, is how much of meditation is within yoga. Or do they? Can they be together, or are they totally separate?
0: That's a really good question. Meditation is one of the tools in the hatha yoga toolkit. So when we talk about yoga in the West, we're talking about something called hatha yoga, which is the path of yoga that's using the physical body to touch into a sense of, well, enlightenment, if you will. Um, and the the hatha yoga practice has four main tools so the postures when we think about doing yoga most people think about poses well i'm doing a headstand i'm doing a handstand i'm doing (laughs) warrior pose now i'm doing yoga now the poses are just one little piece so that's one of the tools i said there were four one of the tools is posture the next tool would be breathing so how we use the breath becoming aware of the breath skillful use of the breath and then the next tool i would say would be meditation So meditation is a part of the yoga practice. And the fourth tool in the yoga toolkit are principles. And this really gets short shrift, I think, in the West. People don't really think about it. But in yoga, it's not just what you do, but how you do it. Mm -hmm. So it's approaching the practice with a sense of self-compassion and kindness, non-judgmental, gratitude, all of these attitudes that we have on the mat—if we bring these into our daily life—that yoga high, that yoga feeling, can last a lifetime.
2: You know, it's funny when I just, when I said that our listeners would be rushing out to do yoga after listening to you, I was—I didn't realize it would happen in like the first seven minutes <laughs> because I'm ready to go do a yoga class right now. You had mentioned that we could obviously find yoga on YouTube and we could just practice at home. The cost of that, obviously, it's, it's there's no monetary cost, but then you could easily find, let's say, a class or some sort of instructor that isn't really that good. How do we know? Who, we, let's say we're headed out to the world to go find yoga. How do we know what's good? Or not good, and are most classes? If we find a place out, it's someone that's actually doing this for a living, or most of those, you have a high probability that you're going to get a good yoga experience relative to just picking a popular YouTube video.
0: It's really, really important to study with a qualified, skilled instructor, particularly if you're talking about someone who has any kind of health challenges, an older adult. Uh, this is what I've devoted the last two decades of my life to is making yoga practice accessible and available to seniors because many of the movements, the postures that are commonly taught in yoga classes can be risky for adults, mm. uh, for older adults. So say straight-legged forward bends are something that you see in sun in classes all the time. The sun salutation, one of the moves is you're standing up And you sweep your arms out and you bend over and you reach your hands in the direction of the floor, keeping your legs straight. And this is a very common yoga practice. I used to do this all the time. It's called Uttanasana, standing forward fold. If someone has low bone density, which I do being a 68-year-old postmenopausal white female, that puts me at risk for vertebral fracture. So Ooh. this is not something I practice anymore. This is not something I teach anymore. And if you go to any physical therapist and you say, well, I'm going to bend over and touch my toes, they'll tell you, bend your knees, bend your knees. But in yoga, somehow this has become a, a sacred move and uh, it's not appropriate for older adults.
2: So you've modified, so Carol, you've really helped as you've gone, you've been doing this since you're 20. So I, I picture you like mm-hmm. running around Metropolis, like Lois Lane. You get, <laughs>
0: in my high heels.
2: You get all stressed out. You start yoga. You're in your 20s. So you can, you're not worried about your your vertebrae. I did
0: all that nonsense in my 20s. I stood on my head.
2: <laughs> and then, but you, so, but then you've modified this to, for. Those who would be say let's say sixty and up when we get a little less flexible, so you've really you've really taken on the challenge of how do we do this for uh, seniors essentially,
0: exactly exactly. So with a colleague of mine Kimberly Carson she and I uh, at Duke Integrative Medicine where I'm the yoga therapist we created a yoga teacher training program we started in 2007 and we brought in experts from the Duke Health Center. We brought in cardiologists to teach us about heart disease. That cardiologist is my husband, Mitch, who thank you, Mitch, for being on our faculty. We brought in a physical therapist to teach us about osteoporosis, um, respiratory therapists to teach us about pulmonary disease. So we have a wonderful faculty of Duke um, experts who've taught us about these health conditions, arthritis, Things that many older adults are dealing with, and then what does that mean for the yoga practice? What, what might we want to consider when we're doing a posture practice for somebody who might be at risk of um, a vertebral fracture or who might be at risk of a heart attack? Uh, So we have made those modifications, and that's what we outline in our book, Relax Into Yoga for Seniors, and we still run this teacher training. We're doing it virtually this year at Duke for yoga instructors. So to go back to your very good question about how do you find a good teacher, you want to make sure that the teacher is well trained. The, The basic training for yoga teachers these days, and they're it's become a big business to train yoga teachers. And everybody in their business, yeah. mother is a yoga teacher now. It's a very minimal standard, 200 hours of training. So to, if you have your 200 hours of training, you can have the initials RYT behind your name. That just means registered yoga teacher at 200 hours. At that level, most teachers do not have um, any kind of um in-depth understanding of aging physiology. So this is where we came in to offer our continuing education program for yoga teachers and yoga therapists. Now yoga therapists have, in addition to that 200 hours, a minimum of 800 hours of extra training in working with people with different health conditions. So I would say you want to make sure that somebody has at minimum an RYT and I'd want to work with somebody who has experience, who's worked with older adults, who's been with this population, who's had additional training. Um, there are many, walk into a gym, there are many classes that are called yoga mm-hmm. that, in my opinion, are yoga-flavored exercise They're an exercise class. They use the same mentality that you would for it. And believe me, I love exercise classes. I've been a gym rat. If you want to do exercise, terrific. You know, do Zumba or some kind of a great. But if you're calling it yoga, please make sure that it's really yoga. And it's not an exercise class where you're doing yoga postures. And I have a whole rant on that. That I, if you go to the Huffington Post and Google me, you'll find: is it yoga or yoga flavored exercise? <laughs> I
2: love yoga flavored exercise. I love it. The right. uh, so, Carol, you had mentioned Hatha yoga, which is in the West here in America. That's a kind of the dominant strain, if you will. Correct. Is what are the other big? Uh, let's say sectors of the yoga world around the world and 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 what are kind of the other ones that get practiced either here in the united states or or in europe etc
0: well hatha yoga the, the anything that does physical postures and physical poses is going to be hatha yoga there are other kinds of yoga so bhakti yoga is the yoga of devotion so um Someone who you might see in, in India, you see a lot of bhakti yogis. They'll be putting flower garlands around statues of deities and and incense. And bhakti yoga is the yoga of devotion. Karma yoga is the yoga of action. So someone who does a lot of selfless service, you might say Mother Teresa was a karma yogi. Practicing that sort of devoting yourself and your life to serving others that would be karma yoga yana yoga is the yoga of wisdom so people who study the the texts that would be yana yoga and let's see what am i leaving at tantra yoga is a yoga of ceremony so those are the other kinds of yoga but so, any kind any form of yoga that involves physical poses and practices is hatha yoga
2: Okay, so we've got several folks here on our Retire Sooner team that that practice yoga and some meditation, and I'm like behind the eight ball on doing all this, <laughs> which I feel like I I, I certainly would love to, to do this again or try this again. But what do you see? I mean, there's such passion behind this. The, the folks that are here like Mallory, Elizabeth, uh, Andrea, that do yoga, they, they're kind of addicted to it. It doesn't seem like an unhealthy addiction because it's something that, It's not like they're doing this three or four times a day, but let's just talk about the benefits for at any age. And then maybe even more so for, for folks who are in getting into retirement and and are they a little bit different? Are they similar between different ages? Talk to me about the, the fruits of your yoga labor.
0: (laughs) Well, the benefits of yoga are really vast. So on a physical level, that outer layer on a physical level, you get all the benefits of a physical activity. So it can strengthen your um, any weak muscles. It can stretch any tight muscles. So you enhance your flexibility. You enhance your balance. So that, particularly as you get older, reducing your risk of falls can be really huge. Um, depending on the type of yoga you're doing, you can also boost your cardiovascular uh, system and of course the breathing that's involved can be can be really huge. So on a physical level, you are meeting the U.S. Surgeon General's recommendations of getting a minimum of thirty minutes of moderate activity most days of the week. So that has okay. So all it deep. counts.
2: So it counts as it counts. as exercise when you it see does.
0: it counts as exercise. Got
2: it. Okay. Um, okay.
0: It is considered a moderate level exercise. So it's it really it counts you know that said if somebody has particular cardiovascular issues and they're looking for maximum cardiovascular fitness i would not rely just on yoga for cardiovascular fitness so personally i take my dog for a three-mile walk every day so i'm walking for about 45 minutes and then i go do my yoga practice so the combination of those two Um, You know, I want to be clear and upfront that cardiovascularly, you're not going to get the same bang for the buck that you would for a good walk. And that's why I do them both on a physical level, strength, balance, flexibility, um, proprioception, meaning that if you were to walk along and stumble, if you've been practicing yoga, you might not fall because you're used to challenging your balance. You're used to trying to stand on one leg. Maybe you've got the ankle flexibility because you've been practicing yoga, so you're reducing your fall risk, which can be huge as we get older. By the way, that Um, sounds like a
2: good early retirement day. I could see walking Cody. I've got two dogs. I've got a big red lab and he can go pretty much, he can go for a long time. He's big, kind of looks like a giant um, water rat almost, uh, out of a sci-fi movie. But then I, and then I have a, um, I have a, uh, I have a, a German shepherd who's gotten a little old, so she can only go for about a two mile loop, but I can see a dog walk in the morning and then some yoga in the afternoon. That sounds like a really good day, but here, hold on. Let me, the, the one thing you didn't mention, and we're talking about cardio and sweating. I keep hearing about hot yoga, Is that kind of is that just like a fad did you write about that in your huffington post article or is that legit
0: (laughs) i how can i put this very um diplomatically um hot yoga may be inadvisable for older adults because when you're in a heated room it puts excess demand on the cardiovascular system um Hot Yoga was sort of the originator of hot yoga. It was a gentleman, I don't know if I can even call him a gentleman named Bikram Chudri. So Bikram <laughs> Yoga. Bikram is now, as I understand it, he is no longer in the United States because there've been um, uh, not a not a pleasant man. He's been accused of many terrible things. So Bikram Yoga, at one time was a big, deal in the country and you won't find it anymore but one of the things that bikram did was he uh, did the practice in a heated room he did a lot of i always called it bikram's wacky workout to me it wasn't (sighs) yoga he was not a not a not a nice person let's just put it that way so hot yoga some people enjoy it because they they like the the, the heated room. This is not where I would start. And certainly anybody with any cardiovascular compromise, more than half of Americans over age 60 have hypertension. I would not put them in doing a, a physical practice in a heated room.
2: Got it. Okay. So, but somebody in their 20s, they can, I can see them doing that. They're yeah, kind of they trying try to get both.
0: Flirt with it, see with yeah. it. And, you know, going back to your question about benefits, I, I didn't get past the physical benefits.
2: Yeah, let's keep going. So, so we stopped at cardio. So car- <laughs> we have some cardio. Yeah, some cardio. Yeah, the
0: cardio and, of course, musculoskeletal, all of that. It can strengthen your bones properly, properly done. Um, emotionally, the yoga practice can be can be really huge because what the yoga practice does is it, it, it gets us in touch with our deepest, truest self. That is the intention, the, the yoga sutras of Patanjali say that yoga is the stilling of the fluctuations of consciousness. So that's what yoga is designed to do. It's designed to quiet your mind for what purpose? So you can better hear the still small voice of your heart. So Ooh. usually we're all so busy and we're running around and we've got things on our to-do list and our phones are going off and, you know, we're in our heads. Yoga takes us out of our head and into our body and lets us tap into the the big question. Who am I and what am I doing here? (laughs) And we spend some time on the mat every day with that very intimate question. Who am I and what am I doing here? And as I've grown older in my yoga practice and my yoga practice has changed from you know, doing a lot of crazy party poses to uh, a practice to keep me strong and fit enough to lift my 38-pound grandson and and, uh, all the other things that I want to do. I appreciate more and more those moments of stillness and connection. Because let's face it, these bodies don't last forever. We're not here forever. We're here for whatever time is granted us and getting connected with that deeper sense of purpose and meaning, that's what we do. And that's pretty cool.
2: It is. It's very cool. So are, are we moving? Is that part of what you've practiced over the course of your life, which is, is that adaptive yoga where you go from straight leg bend to bent leg bend to or not doing certain poses? Is that what you call adaptive yoga?
0: The word adaptive yoga and accessible yoga is a relatively new term, um, but yes, so uh, popularized by a very lovely, wonderful yogi named Jeevana Heyman, who has a whole accessible yoga foundation uh, or accessible yoga association online. Back in the day, it was called modify your practice. Do these modifications, you, mm-hmm. often using props. So, yeah, you can call that adaptive yoga, but honestly, all yoga should be adaptive yoga because people are different. They have different needs. They have different abilities. They have different proportions. So sometimes whether or not someone can touch their hand to the floor doesn't say as much about their flexibility or their strength as the fact proportionately, like my arms are really short and my torso is really long. Mm -hmm. So that means some postures... I don't look as um, magazine cover as somebody else who's got <laughs> long arms and long legs and a short toe. So, and there are other po- postures that I really look great because of my purport. So sometimes it's just the way we're built Um and then sometimes it's it has to do with um, tightness or tension. So all yoga should be adaptive. And one of the things we, one of the things I try to cultivate in my classes, and you know I think any good teacher would, is to make it really personal. This is not competing. It doesn't matter. In group classes, I'd say, don't look at the other people on their mats. Your yoga mat is your own private island and in this sea of yoga mats we all have our own private islands the other natives are friendly just don't bother them and and they won't <laughs> and bother, you. bother you and just whatever works for you is what you ought to be doing
2: you know it's funny it's almost like the opposite of peloton right so peloton <laughs> right peloton day 1 you're on a board And you're trying to be at the top of the board. You don't want to be last on the board. You're looking at your neighbors on the board, even though your neighbor isn't next to you because they're virtual. So it's funny. Yoga is is the opposite of Peloton. Even though I think that now on my Peloton, not that I really use it much, uh, they have like a yoga tab. But, I don't know if 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 on the yoga tab. I'm sure they're not competing. Maybe they are. That's
0: <laughs> yeah. My daughter and son in law are really into Peloton. And honestly, I think there's a place for both. And in yeah. my life, I have been and I am still. I'm quite competitive. You know, get me at the card table, and I, and I'm going to want to win. Um, <laughs> What's and your card a- game,
2: by the way? What what Carol?
0: Oh gosh, um, yeah, probably gin. Probably gin. not gin. <laughs> yeah maybe hearts. My mom was a life master in bridge, so uh, uh, I yeah, I learned um, I learned how to shuffle a deck when I was like three years old.
2: Oh, that's cool. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> I want to talk about flexibility just for a minute because I know that there's this, or at least there's been studies around flexibility and longevity. And I'm always searching for anything longevity related. I'm a big fan of David uh, or Dan Butner's work who wrote blue zones about longevity centers around the world. When I was a little kid, I remember I was like, I don't know, five. And I started in my nightly prayers. One of the few things I would pray for is longevity. We all just want to be around for a long time and like enjoy our lives here on this earth. And I think that, uh, so, so flexibility is one of those. And I can just tell you, I have zero flexibility right now. uh, I would like to talk to you about that. Tell me about flexibility and the possibility around longevity because of flexibility.
0: That is a, a, very good question, and and truth be told, I am not aware of literature that correlates flexibility with longevity. That I'd love to see that. It, it it's I'm sure it's there. I, that's just not something that's in my awareness. I do know of literature that suggests that you know cardiovascular health is connected with longevity, uh, VO2 max, breathing rates. Um, Flexibility, I can I would hypothesize what might be behind that connection is that when somebody is flexible, you know we we talk about flexible, right now we're talking about physical flexibility, mm-hmm. but that also translates to emotional flexibility, that translates to um, a cognitive flexibility. I would think that there would be a great advantage to having flexibility um you know certainly Again, going back to reducing fall risk, if people are one of the reasons why people tend to fall is they they get really stiff. Yeah, and yeah. So I think that's they, kind of, that's a big part they, of this. At least from what along, I've read, yeah, at least yeah. what
2: I've read, I, the, I think the tie is more around flexibility and slightly lower probability of falls, and when they and when when the falls are less, let's say negative, the result due to some some level of flexibility obviously would, yeah. would be would help.
0: Falls are the number one risk factor after a certain age for hospitalizations and death. When people fall and they fall and they break something, then that often leads to immobility and immobility leads to uh, a host of other um, physical problems. So once people are in bed and not able to move, then it's not a good situation.
2: You know, in your book, Relax into Yoga for Seniors," you you talk about that transition of of people just do either transitioning or starting later. Um, and I guess we can start at any age, but obviously, you 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 like to champion even if you're sixty or seventy. You should you should be able to and can start yoga, and but it's going to be different than somebody who's twenty five. So maybe just touch on that a little bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It is never too late to to start practice and I often would have people kind of poke their head into the class that I was teaching and say oh is this gentle yoga can I just watch I I'd like to do it what I hear all the time Wes is I'd like to do yoga but I'm not flexible enough to do yoga and I say hey that's like saying my house is too messy to hire a cleaning service you do not have to be flexible to do yoga the only thing you need to be able to do to practice yoga is breathe. (laughs) If you can breathe, you're in. So I would recommend that somebody who wants to start yoga later in life uh, do a little homework and make sure that they find an appropriate class for them. Now, when we get up into the, you know, the sixth, seventh, eighth decade of life, there's a really broad range of abilities. Mm. You can have 60 year olds who can't get out of bed and you can have 80 year olds who are running marathons. Yeah. So uh, it, it, there are gonna be varied classes, but that said, if someone is an older adult, just by virtue of age alone, they're at higher risk for injury. And there's you know good data to support this, practicing yoga or pra- doing any physical activity. So they really need to have a good teacher.
2: Speaking of, can you give maybe recount a story? And I wanted to ask you what has maybe surprised you the most about teaching yoga, but maybe just a story or an anecdote of someone that you've really seen this help. Somebody who what did have a messy house that didn't want to start cleaning, but did, and said and and look back and said, "Oh So have you seen some big improvements? Or
0: oh wow, yeah, you know, I first started um, teaching yoga. I had not really intended to be a yoga teacher. Um, I, I had a book come out in two thousand called "Healing Moves: How to Cure Relieve and Prevent Common Ailments with Exercise." And uh, I there was a yoga teacher training in my in my neighborhood. It was a two- year program. And I took that, and there were very few yoga teacher trainings back then, you know, twenty years ago. I took that teacher training, not because I wanted to teach yoga, but I thought it would be a good credential for my book. And I wanted the, yeah. the experience. I wanted to learn more about yoga. So to, I'm, I, am, I trust I'm gonna answer your question. As part of that training, I was required to do community service. So I had 12 weeks of community service that I needed to do. So I volunteered to teach yoga at the Durham VA. So that was the Veterans Administration. In
2: Durham, North Carolina. In Durham, North Carolina,
0: yeah. where I live. And this was, so my students were men, mostly men, because it was the VA, in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. And these guys had, had bypass surgery. They had artificial joints. One guy had shrapnel in his shoulder. They, some were on oxygen. I walked into that room, and I thought, I'm going to kill these guys. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I was scared to death. So I watched them do their calisthenics. They were in a gerontology rehab program. So they were doing cardio and they were doing strength training. And I was going to come in once a week and teach yoga. So I watched them do their floor exercises and they got on all fours and they did something they called hump and slump. And the light bulb went off in my head. I said, that's cat cow. We teach that in yoga. And I saw that in their in their calisthenics, they were doing a bunch of yoga poses. So I figured, well, they're already doing those. So I probably won't kill them if we do those. I'm just going to add the breathing and the awareness. And I'm going to put in some relaxation. So I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants. And instead of volunteering there for 12 weeks, I volunteered there for five years. And those guys were amazing. They came back. They would tell me that they... Cut, they were able to cut back on their blood pressure medication. One fellow who had been using a walker now was only using a cane. Uh, someone else uh, who had not been able to sleep at night was able to get to sleep at night. So it was um, it was it was really remarkable, and that's what led me down the path of going out to get more training and more experience for myself so I could better serve this population. But I saw a huge benefit to these to these guys, and um, that's what started me on my journey, trying to make the practice as safe and accessible to older adults as possible.
2: So it really became a calling for you.
0: It's it did. It did. I... I It was not where i started i'm a journalist and i'm writing books and i always did yoga and physical activity as my hobby i've been very physically active when my kids were little i did karate with them for 10 years and i had a second degree black belt in karate so i'm i'm somebody who really loves to be active and much of what I w- that we did in karate, there's a real correlation, because karate is also about moving energy and about connecting with your life force. In karate, we called it chi or ki. In yoga, we call it prana. So it's about connecting to your life force, moving energy. Um, you know, karate, of course, was a, is a self-defense technique. And yoga is a method of reaching enlightenment. But there, there are similarities.
2: You enlighten it and defense, but uh, I love that. I love that you're a second degree black belt. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. so
2: you're a black yeah. belt.
0: Yeah, I got my black belt at 42, and my son was a teenager then. So he'd be my ookie. That's the person who attacks you in a self defense set. And because yeah. he was my son and he's taller than me, he'd let me look really good and you know <laughs> strangle him with my purse or whatever my self-defense set was
2: how many hours so what level did you had, have you gotten to when it comes to yoga instructor you obviously you started with the ryt did you go to yoga therapist as well or what level are you within the yoga yeah, world so,
0: so i am ryt 500 E-R-Y-T, e means experienced registered yoga teacher at the 500 level that's as High as you can go in the Yoga Alliance, the one that registers yoga teacher. And I've been that level for decades. And then I'm also a C-I-A-Y-T, that's Certified Yoga Therapist by the International Association of Yoga Therapy. So I'm, I'm that as well. So we can look
2: for that. So our audience, when we're, if we're out looking yes. for yoga, we can yes. look for E500 as kind of really experienced in E500 or the C C I A Y T. C I A Y T. Okay, C
0: I A Y T. Yeah, so that is certified yoga therapist by the International Association of Yoga Therapy. Well,
2: well, you know where I'm about to go s- search online right now here in Atlanta <laughs> to find <laughs> yoga. I really love to do this. I, 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 may, I, I, we just have to be able to carve out time to do it. Um, and that's. And, oh, by the way, your typical yoga session. Are you doing this for 45 minutes, an hour? What's your typical so session? A yoga
0: class can range the classes that I would teach at integrative medicine would be 90 uh I'm sorry 60 minute a one hour class and um you know you funny that you should mention time because the other book that that I uh I've written is called Yoga Sparks 108 easy practices for stress relief in a minute or less so uh, if you have a minute you can practice yoga
2: a hundred and eight easy practices for stress relief in a minute.
0: In a minute, or less. Or, and the reason that I wrote that, Wes, is that I would have you know a session with somebody, and you know they I come back the next week and I say, well, how's your practice going? Well, this came up and that came up, and I yeah, didn't have time yeah. to do the practice. But that thing you told me about when the phone rings, instead of jumping to answer the phone, stop and take a breath. I do that all the time. Or that thing you told me about. Um, sitting on my sit bones, I do that all the time. So I thought, okay, people, uh, you gotta start where people are. And if they Uh don't have a half an hour or 20 minutes or 15 minutes to practice yoga, do they have a minute? And anybody who doesn't have a minute really needs yoga. So would you like to do (laughs) a short practice right now? Oh
2: God, yes, Uh, God, absolutely.
0: Okay, so just freeze, don't move. <laughs> and and not just to uh, keep breathing but anybody who's listening too just just freeze for a moment and notice how you're sitting. Notice your posture. Okay, is your spine in a nice S shape like the spine should be or is are you kind of curved over is your head forward? Yeah, head forward. So take a minute and see if you can sit up tall on your sit bones. So those are the two knobs at the base of the pelvis and then visualize your spine lifting up and the very top of your head, lifting up toward the sky, relax your shoulders. Good, and just take a moment here and notice your breath and invite the breath to enter your body, breathing in and out through the nose. So see if you can keep your mouth closed, yep. In through the nose, out through the nose, easy breath in and just Notice all the sensations of your breath. And then when you're ready, if you've got your eyes closed, open your eyes. And you've practiced yoga.
2: I felt (laughs) relaxed already talking to you just in general. But something (laughs) about neck, back of the neck to the sky is very relaxing for me.
0: Yeah. So that place at the very top of the head, that's called the crown of the head. And it's nice to imagine that as a magnet and the sky as magnetic because everything we do in our life, almost unless you're painting the ceiling and then you're doing a back bend, almost everything we do in our life puts us head our head forward of our shoulders. And we've got these habits, just these really habits that we've gotten into of having our head forward. And the head is really heavy. Head weighs about 10 pounds, like a bowling ball. And think if you were holding a bowling ball in front of you. How tired your arm would get. So just by balancing your head over your shoulder girdle, and you see my well, we, we can see each other. I've got a, a little headrest, and it's there for a reason. <laughs> so when I'm I'm practicing, I can keep in good alignments. So remember, I said I had neck pain. I don't have neck pain anymore.
2: One one more question about folks that have chronic pain. I don't know if we've talked about that. I wondered about people that have <clears throat> that have. Pain issues in general. How do, I know you've written about that as well. Where's the?
0: Yeah, there's how does that very good literature. Yeah. So the most recent book that I wrote with my colleagues Jim and Kimberly Carson. Jim is a PhD psychologist, and Kimberly has her Masters of Public Health. They're out at in Oregon now, but they've spent the last two decades studying the impact of yoga and meditation on chronic pain and the book that we wrote together Relaxing to Yoga for Chronic Pain takes the protocol that they used in their research studies which has suggested that yoga and meditation can be as or more effective than the most commonly prescribed medications for the trial they used was for fibromyalgia and their the results for yoga and meditation were were as good or better than the i guess I'm not sure which medication was most commonly prescribed, but the most commonly prescribed medication. So pain is a very interesting um, phenomenon because the the brain, pain is mediated by the brain. So what the studies suggest is that our thoughts and our feelings can impact our perception of pain. And this doesn't mean that our pain isn't real or it's all in our head not at all. It's it's all in our head, not psychologically, but neurologically. Yeah. So the, way the brain is this command center, and it's telling us what to pay attention to. And there's a very common habit that people have called catastrophizing, where um, the mind sort of spins into these loops of the worst that can happen. And it has been shown that people who have the habit of catastrophizing have an intense a greater intensity of pain so one of the ways yoga can intervene is it can help people become aware of their thoughts and their emotions and how the their reactivity can be exacerbating their pain and teach so in yoga we work not just with the physical body but we also we're training our minds and we're training our te- attention, uh, what we pay attention to. So yoga can be, and meditation can be a powerful intervention to help people who have chronic pain.
2: You wrote a book with the folks on Relax uh, into Yoga for Chronic Pain. W- where were the researchers on that too? What, what, what university?
0: So Jim and Kimberly Carson are at Oregon Health Sciences University. They had been at Duke 20 years ago, which is where I met them. And started work with them, but they moved out to Oregon. Uh, gosh, it's been at least a decade now. So they're at what's Oregon her last name? And Ki- Hi-
2: Jim and Jim and Kimberly. Who
0: Carson. C A R S O N. Yeah. Okay. So Kimberly is my uh, colleague. She and I developed the Yoga for Seniors professional trainings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Yoga for Seniors, um, we have a you know a website for for we have a, trained over a thousand teachers all around the world. In our program, we also have an online version of our training. So for yoga teachers who are interested in this information, they can train either, we haven't had in-person training since the pandemic, but we do have an online version um, and we have one coming up through Duke. And then much of the information is in our book, Relax Into Yoga for Seniors. And that book is really geared um, for the practitioner, for the older adult, him or herself, who is interested in practicing, and that comes with uh, twelve downloadable audio practices, so you can practice along with our our voices.
2: You know what? I think that you've created the first yoga moment on the Retire Sooner podcast. <laughs> and as a um, uh, as you are in Durham uh, over for a fellow, not Blue Devil, but a Tar Heel across the way in Chapel Hill. Ooh. That's that's me. Uh, thank you for, uh, so much for this. You might be my, you're my favorite person now at Duke uh, by well, far.
1: Thank you. <laughs> hey y'all, this is Mallory with the retire sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W E S M O S S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle retire sooner podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. information.